Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. We are in the series Limitless Limitless Living, and we're going to start off with Isaiah chapter 26, verses 1 through 8 in the New Living Translation. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. In that day, everyone in the land of Judah will sing this song. Praying about this scripture, doing the research, I believe that day speaks of more than just a physical day that they would see with their eyes, but more of a spiritual connotation to that of a new covenant coming as well. Much of the Old Testament was was something that God had provided in a promise, in the form of a promise. But in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 says that many of them sought for the promise and never received it looking for something better. But there was a better day coming and there was something that was fixing to happen in Jerusalem in the life of the Israelites. And I do believe that there's a spiritual connotation to this because it goes further that in this day we will sing this song. Our city is strong. We are surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Open the gates to all who are righteous. Allow the faithful to enter. You will keep in perfect peace. Will you repeat that after me? Perfect peace. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. All whose thoughts are fixed on you. Now, recognize the correlation between perfect peace and thoughts being fixed on the Lord. Trust in the Lord always, in the good times and in the bad times. For the Lord God is the eternal rock. Now, consider the, the expression eternal rock. Speaking of a spiritual rock. Nothing you can see but something that you experience. And the perfect peace is tied into this eternal rock. Now, we're not talking about a pebble. We are actually talking about something God created. Something established by God that is unmovable, unshakable. And how many of you know that the mind of God is immovable, unshakable? God's not moved by fear. He doesn't care what the economy is doing. He doesn't care what cultures do. He doesn't care about being canceled. God doesn't care about what happens negatively towards him because he is God. And God is solid, rock solid, unmovable. But God moves, is is moved by faith. And so verse 5 said, he humbles the proud and brings down the arrogant city. He brings it down to the dust. The poor and oppressed trample it underfoot and the needy walk all over it. But those who are righteous, the way is not steep or rough. You are a God who does, not, who, who does what is right and you smooth out the paths ahead of them. These are people that trust in God. Lord, we show our trust in you by obeying your laws. Our heart's desire is to glorify your name. And that's our purpose in life, to glorify God. 
there are so many things to consider when it comes to the peace of God, but there's only one way to have the eternal rock established in your life, and that's through Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad he found you and saved you? Have you made him your Lord and Savior? Do you love him enough to tell him, thank you for saving me? Thank you for your salvation. When we were saved by his grace, by his blood, by his mercy, the reconciliation of God's power brought peace into our life. And that peace has become a rock for all of us. The stability in our minds comes from the peace of God. We're going to be talking about limitless peace this Sunday morning. Limitless peace in week four of this semester. We pray that it blesses you and we hope that you're encouraged today. So will you just real quick bless the service right now? Will you do that right now by lifting your voice and saying, God, have your way in this moment. God, anoint Pastor Bobby and God, open my heart and any distractions in this moment, God, just remove them from people's lives. Any burden that they've been carrying and still have, release them from it, dear God. And we pray the atmosphere is conducive to the Spirit of God and to the Word of God. And we declare and speak that we will walk out stronger, wiser, and better than what we came in. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody say amen. Will you honor him one more time by giving him a hand clap of thanksgiving? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Turn around to somebody and tell them you have limitless peace in your life. You have access to limitless peace. And you can be seated. God bless you. Thank you for being here. When I think of the eternal rock, you have to begin to reflect on some of the stories in the scripture that Jesus and the conversations that Jesus had with his disciples. You have to begin to understand how that transition would take place and what would bring this eternal rock into place. In the Old Testament, that they would have to make strong towers. They would have to hide in the cliff of a rock. The translation for this rock actually means to have a cliff in the mountains and the cliff place of hiding and and so it's no it's no really not for question of whether what kind of a rock it was speaking of but this is speaking of a mountain something that god could make nothing that you can find and hew out of a mountain but something that would actually be established by god there was one place in considering all these thoughts and origins of where this begins you have to look at the life of, of, of Jesus through his disciples. And there was a moment when Jesus asked them, who do people say that I am? And they told him, some say that you're the prophet. Some say that you're Elijah. Some say that you've come back from the dead as another prophet. Well, Jesus wasn't really concerned about what people's opinions were. He was really more concerned about the opinions and the beliefs of his disciples. And when he turned to the disciples, he said, I get that, but who do you say that I am? And he said, Peter said, well, Lord, you're the son of God. You're the Messiah. You're the one. And Jesus said, flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my father, which is in heaven. And the key word is revealed. 
Peter said something that Jesus only knew. He knew that only the Spirit of God could actually give him that understanding. Even though Jesus was standing in front of them, they still had to have their own revelation. That's like all of us. Because we can come to church and we can read the Bible, but we still need our own revelation, our own experience. We have to know him for ourselves. And, and then Jesus makes this statement and he says, and upon this rock, I will build my church and you are the church. But the foundation would be him. In one portion of scripture, he actually, Paul recites this and speaks of an old temple building blueprint and talks about Jesus being the cornerstone and how the other apostles were now hewn out until other stones compressed into the cornerstone. I, I think that Jesus is understanding and understanding too, this was even deeper. Because for the eternal rock, a rock that is something you can't see but experience. I think the size of that rock is based on our faith. And how you can perceive Jesus and how big he is and how capable he is and what he is willing to do will determine how much trust you have in him. So the size of that rock, I think, can vary. The size of that, but Jesus said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. In other words, it's going to bring the revelation, the understanding, just you knowing who I am and putting your trust in me won't allow the gates of hell, which the gates represented the place of business for every city and town that had a place, a meeting place, like much like the town hall. They would meet at the gates of the city to talk about business and speak where the officials of the city would come and counsel. There was a particular place that they would do this. And Jesus meant all of hell's plans, all of hell's strategy, all of hell's counsel and officials cannot stop what I'm fixing to build. All of what they have will not be able to stop the process because, number one, it's going to be built on me. I'm the foundation. I am the foundation. Now, when you think of a strong foundation, what, do you, what comes to your mind? I don't, I don't know what, how you think about strong foundations. What, 10-inch slabs? 20 Beams going down into the ground 20 feet vertically in the center. I mean, what is your thought of a strong foundation? To me, can I share, you mind if I share my thoughts, my imagination, what I actually see when I think about a strong foundation in the kingdom of God concerning how big God is? This is what comes to my mind. Watch this. That's the first house. I don't think concrete's stronger than this. I think that when God said, I'm going to be the foundation, you got to see how big God is first. Understand how big God is. 
And I'm looking at this and I'm thinking if I were to bring the equivalency of a foundation with God's, not his just deity per se, but his whole person. I would have to think of something like this in the kingdom of God. No wonder it's an eternal rock because not even the rain and the floods can knock it down. Here, here's another one I thought by the same architect. I thought this was super cool. That's another one. I thought, yeah, if I had a chance to build a house, I'd like to build it there. But there's nothing that big here in Victoria, at least, right? You get to build on a rice paddy, but field, rice field. But, you know, this is what I think about. You have to begin in my mind, at least mine, you have to begin to elevate your concept of how you see God. How do you perceive God in your life? How much do we trust God? How much have we been revealed? What has been revealed to us? You see, even Moses, Moses knew God as the I am. Therefore, I am the one that will deliver. I am the one that will bring the plagues. I am the one that will bring out Israel out of Egypt. I am the one. The I am was relevant to Moses' assignment because how you perceive God is how you receive God. So there was no limitations to Moses. God was the great I am. I am everything. I will be everything. To Abraham, he was the provider. And Abraham was a wealthy man. But on that Mount Moriah, it was a fact that God brought the sacrifice and God brought the ram and provided it for him, calling that place Jehovah Jireh, the place where God provides. And every patriarch had their experience. But for you and I, understanding Jesus is our salvation. And it's our eternal reward. And we have something far greater than what the patriarchs and matriarchs had. We have something called the kingdom of God in our life. And that eternal kingdom has such stability and can't be shaken. And there's so much peace from the Prince of Peace, from the King of Kings, from, from, from the, our perspective and how we look at God. How many of you can testify even this Sunday morning that God has never left you? God has never forsaken you. He's never let you down. He has never, ever failed. God can't fail. God can't lie. We make mistakes. We drop the ball. We aren't perfect. But there is a perfect peace from a perfect God that is untainted. Jesus gives further evidence to this by saying you can have this kind of stability because limitless peace is the strength of stability. Jesus said, you can have this. In, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, it says, anyone who listens to my teachings follows it wisely. Wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rains come and the torrents and the flood waters rise and the winds beat against that house. It won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. It is built on a rock. But anyone who hears my teachings and doesn't obey it 
is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on what? On sand. When the rains and the floods come, the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. You ever wondered why, if you ever read this before, it says mighty crash? That is speaking of something that suddenly happens. Suddenly happens. There's no doubt that the, the foundation of sand, it says sand. You and I, when we hear sand, we think, okay, that's, uh, you know, we think of the beach, right? When I said sand, how many of you thought of water going on the beach, wiping out your sand castle? Raise your hand if you're honest with me. You thought of that. I think of that all the time. But honestly, it's referring to just dirt, and I don't care how much you pack it down with dirt and gravel. If there is nothing to keep it together and bind it together and nothing to reinforce it, whatever you build on top of that, all it takes is a strong rain and flood to come. And it'll be a matter of time. It will begin to wear out. It may not fall down immediately, but it will one day just collapse. That comes throughout a process of time. You know what I believe this is referring to? The integral structure of the foundation is based on your spiritual life. Our spiritual life was reinforced and established through Jesus Christ. He became the chief cornerstone. He was the very essence of who we are our foundation, our faith. But there are others who build and have faith on other things. And no wonder why you see lives many times. Maybe you can think of someone. I don't have an example. But maybe, maybe you can look at a life right now that you have seen that looked like they started off really good. They seemed to be really successful. It was wonderful when it began. But then all of a sudden, years later, you just see this collapse and most of the time, it's a moral collapse or a character collapse. Because I believe the very foundation that they built their business life or legacy, it was being built on something other than Jesus Christ. It was built on something, in other words, that wasn't eternal. The eternal rock. Then you see someone who builds something and has a foundation. And then you see them throughout time. It seems like they are a little bit slower in the process. It seems like over, you know, five years and they still haven't got the walls up. And every time they get the walls up, it's like they start over again. Or, or maybe they built the walls and maybe they just haven't finished the roof and there's a tarp over the roof. Or something, it just seems like... They're, they're, they're just taking longer, and maybe they've, they've been through a few things. But in the long run, no matter how long it takes, they're still there. Why? The foundation. This is the process with you and I. Many times you and I have made mistakes along the way. Many times we're very susceptible to being human because guess what? We are human. But many times the process is slower because there's nothing wrong with the foundation. There's just something wrong with the material. Maybe the prices are too high. The price is always high for whatever you're going to build, right? King David said, I don't want to offer God anything I haven't paid a price for. 
I mean, there are just some things that cost us something to get. And, and, and many times it's a slow process. But the bottom line is now I understand why David said, and I've said this before, why David said, I, I was looking at the prosperity of the wicked and almost lost my step and slipped and fell and didn't want to, I almost lost my religion, almost lost my faith. But then I went to the house of the Lord and saw the end thereof. Because the people that go to the house of God, the people that put their trust in God, no matter what comes their way, their foundation stays the same. And they have insurance, they have security, they have God's protection, they have eternal reward and eternal benefits. But the others, when the collapse comes, there's nothing to save them. So I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to the house of God, because I know that when I go to God, everything works out for my good. It may be a slow process, but God will take care of it. Because there's something about building on something eternal. There's something about having peace of mind. No matter how slow the process is, no matter what trouble you have to face, having peace does not mean you don't have trouble. Having peace means that you know in the eyes of God and you feel what God feels that everything's going to be okay, that you're going to come out ahead, that you're going to win. You're going to come out and it's going to pass. You're not going to be there forever. You're not going to be in that same circumstance forever. It all will pass. Turn to somebody and tell them it shall, it shall pass. Everything is going to pass. Things are going to get better. Things are going to get better. Number one, I want to share this with you is stability is also an inheritance because you're not here just to bring peace to your own life. We are all here to bring stability to our entire family. That's why we are here. It does no good. For example, it doesn't do any good for you as a husband, all the husbands out here, all of you, for you to be at peace if mama's not at peace. Because if mama's not at peace, nobody is. Nobody. Yeah. Oh, and here's another one. Are you ready? If mama and daddy are at peace, but the kids, you think it may not affect you? It will affect everybody, whoever's in your home. I'll go a step further outside the house. Well, mama-in-law or mama, see, this keeps on going. Many times trouble isn't with things. Sometimes it's in relationships. But this is where the peace of God that passes all understanding helps our hearts and minds. And this is where we create the peace and we pass the peace. The first indication of peace is reconciliation with God. That's the first encounter that you and I have with, had with peace. It's when we have surrendered to God in that moment. Most of the time we feel it in troubling times for God to reassure us. But as we approach God, I never forget the first time I felt the peace of God is when I lost my father. I lost my father at a very young age, and I'll never forget praying a prayer that night as a little boy not understanding, somebody gave me a little card, and this little bitty card had the Lord's Prayer on it. And I started praying that little prayer by myself as a, as a six-year-old boy. And I'll never forget lying down. I had to stay at someone else's house. I was sleeping on the floor. 
and I'd read this little thing out loud to myself. I mean, yeah, it's, I have my cousin to help me, by the way, because I couldn't read, probably. But I'll never forget reading that with my cousin. And I felt something come all over me. I didn't know what that was till years later I understood because I felt it more and more. God had given me a peace. And ever since that day, I've had that same peace follow me in troubled times. And that brought stability in my mind. And as I began to learn to exercise that peace in my life, I began to share it with others as I pray for them. And as I began to exercise my faith in God in these areas to recognize my faith was being built, I've learned how to trust God and I've learned how to trust Him during the good times and the bad and maintain that and, I've, and, I, and I shared it with my children and taught them how to walk in that same thing and teach them about the peace of God. So, so it's an inherited thing. But I want to encourage all of you, God has limited peace, but it's not just for you. It is for your entire family. And it can be passed on. You can bring order and you can bring peace into your family, into your home. You can bring it for many generations. I want to read you this, 2 Timothy 1, 5 and 7. This is the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy, and he says, I remember your genuine faith, honest faith, pure faith, no ulterior motives. Genuine faith. You are a sincere individual. You love God. For you shared the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know the same faith continues. Everyone say continues. Your faith continues. The faith that you have in Jesus will continue for many generations to come. You must say it. You must believe it. Your children depend on it. Your Children's children depend on it. That this is something that doesn't stop with you, but it will continue. One of our number one values here at Riverside Church is family. It has to be about family. We are here today because we, have, we, we want to learn how to tap into the limitless peace of God for our life by trusting in Him and building on something that's eternal to have a peace of mind, not just for our lives, but for the rest of our family. But in Timothy's life, it was first established by Grandma. Grandma had it. How many of you are here because of your grandma? How many? And then Mama had it. How many of you are here, be how many of you are here because of your mama? And then Timothy had to get it for himself. I mean, grandma and mama helped and they were, but it was his choice. It was his choice to have that walk with God. So Paul writes him and says this, listen to what he says. This is why. He said, I know the same faith is strong in you. But he said, this is why, verse 6. I remind you, you have to remind yourself to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid hands on you. Now, this is speaking of a, a, an act of transference from one authority figure to the next. Paul had a gifting in his life. He transferred the gifting to Timothy as, 
an apostle to a pastor. That was government talk. But we're talking about personal walk. But Timothy, he said, let me remind you to fan the flame of the gift that was given unto you and the calling that you had in your life. But he also said, because listen, that gift will come in handy. But more than that, if you don't have a good foundation that's been given to you by your grandmother or your mother, you have to learn to accept it, embrace it for yourself. How many people are here that didn't have a grandmother or mother or father and your first generation believer here today? Don't feel like the oddball out. Don't feel like you're an outcast because your relationship with God, you may be pioneering this. But after you, it will continue from one generation to the next generation to the next. And you can have peace of mind. You can have peace of heart. You can have an eternal peace. But the giftings that you have and the gifts that God has given you, everything has to be maintained. Your relationship with him and your giftings, you need to fan the flames. And this is what he's trying to say. For God has not giving us the spirit of fear that's the opposite of peace many times people who struggle with having peace have fear listen to this he's not giving you the spirit of fear or timidity or timidity don't let the devil bully you. Don't let circumstances make you afraid. God hasn't given you those things. They're not from God, so don't receive it. Don't allow it into your thinking because your thinking will then become your person. As a man or woman thinks in his heart, so is it will become you. But God has given us power. Power. You know how you get power in your life? Power is built up. People think, you know, power is the right of having authority in your life. God does not give anyone power who doesn't have the authority, right? It's like you wouldn't give your five-year-old uh, 30-odd six. Is that, did I say that right, guys? Thank you. You give him a BB gun, but it's your permission to give him power when he can handle the power, right? Many times God is waiting for us to get the right thinking before he gives us the power. But you can't have power if you're not at peace with God and trust God. Trusting God brings peace, and peace enables you to have authority and power. Because you can handle the power when you're at peace of mind, not when you're out of control and your emotions and your thinking and... You, you, have you ever lost your temper and then afterwards said, my God, I should have said that? Why didn't you stop me? Right? To your son, your daughter, your wife. I'm just joking. Don't touch your wife that way. 
end up in court. Why didn't you stop me? Why did, why did I say that? Why? Well, that's because you were troubled, intimidated by something. You felt like you had to fight back for it. Listen, when you've got the peace of God, you can look at your circumstance and smile and know that God said everything's going to be all right. That's what peace does. Peace will tell you peace is God's way of telling you no matter what you see, no matter what you feel, no matter where we're at, I feel a peace of God and everything's going to be okay. It's God's way of kind of whispering to your spirit, I've got this. I'll fight your battles. I'll take care of you. I'll take your six. I've got your front. I've got your right and your left. Don't worry about that. There are more for you than there are against you. Greater is he that's inside of you than him that's in the world. I've made you an overcomer. You're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. Come on, somebody. You have to understand you're blessed in the city. You're blessed in the fields. You're blessed going in. You're blessed coming out. There's nothing. God is whispering that to our spirit every time we have the peace of God. Is God saying, I got you. I've got this. Everything's going to be okay. And you can sleep and get rid of the knots in your stomach. Get rid of the tension by trusting in God. And the last one was self-discipline. Having the ability not to make an emotional decision, but being content with the peace of God, knowing I don't have to be so rational about a decision. Let's wait up on God. Number two, and the last point is, instability comes from an undecided mind. When a person can't make up their mind whether or not God can or God will. Let me settle that argument, and you want to write this down in your, in your syllabus. Write this down. The cure for instability is this. I'm going to say it to you, then I'll explain it to you. You ready? The cross and the resurrection. Let me tell you why. The cross is God's way of telling us, I love you. I paid the price for you. I paid the price. I already did that because I love you you should never question whether or not God wants to when he went the full the full mile God went at the full distance and gave himself his son on the cross that's why God's saying died for you until you make that personal and understand he did it for you not just for everybody but he did it for me if you were the only human being outside of him on this earth he would have did it again just for you god is no respect to person he told moses moses that when they were acting crazy and they lost their mind and got impatient and they had no peace in their mind and they made a rational decision and decided to take all the gold 
all the fine gold and they made a big calf out of it and started to worship that God got frustrated and said, Moses, your people, right? You ever done that to your family? You ever done to your wife's family reunion? Your people. Those are your people. God told Moses, your people that you brought out of Egypt, uh, they built a calf. They built another idol. They built a false god. He said, I'm going to destroy them. All I need to start over to build something great and have a family is you, Moses. I'll just raise a nation out of you. God can do it. God will do it. But guess what? He gave his life for us. He, gave, he sent his only begotten son into the world to prove to you that God will. The resurrection now proves God can. Because he rose up from the dead. He said, destroy this temple. This thing built. Go ahead and destroy it. Because after three days, it's going to rise up again. Why? Because they can kill the structure, but they couldn't take the foundation. Did you hear what I just said? He was the rock. See, you got a good foundation, you can build again. That's why the believer when, ought to believe the fact that goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Mercy, thank God for his mercies. They're renewed every morning. Doesn't matter what you did last night, last week, yesterday. Doesn't matter what happens tomorrow. All I know is every day is a new day in the eyes of God, and his grace is sufficient for me. But the resurrection says, I can, and I can do more. By the resurrection, God proved and defied every, every logical approach and every human reasoning to our very existence that something can die and raise itself back up to life or can't. Jesus proved everything wrong by doing it. Never been done. Only by God. Only by God. To say to the world, I'm going to die, but I'm going to come back to life and I'm going to do it myself. The declaration of God's word never dies. When God says it, believe it. Don't lose faith. Make up your mind that when you go to God for the answers that he's going to solidify and give you the answer and be at peace with that and keep moving forward. Here's what I'm going to give you. James chapter 1 verse 5, it says this. If you need wisdom, which wisdom is the know-how and the direction that you need for your life, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in him, God alone. When you ask him, don't have other options in your heart. Get it fixed on God and say, I'm trusting you, God, for direction and answers. I'm going to go to you first, and I'm going to ask you what direction I should take or what we need to do. Don't lose your mind, but stay in peace and trust God. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. So let me show you this. Let me show you this really quickly. This slide right here. 
This is the foundation and the rock that I picture in my mind. And I believe that the kingdom of God is much bigger than we think. So if you will allow me to convey to you this thought that this is, to me, the mind of Christ. This would bring stability in our lives. And we can build whatever we want to on top of it. But like Pastor Caleb talked about last week, and he, he said that life happens and it rains on the just and the unjust. And the scripture said that Jesus said that the winds blew and the rains came and the floods came. But whoever has built upon, obeyed the commandments of God, what is the commandments of God? It is the heart of God being conveyed to humanity to stay in right relationship with him. The commands of God, the word of God given to us is to help us maintain our relationship with him. If you want to write that down, go ahead, because here's what it boils down to. There are two areas of your life that God needs from you in order for you to have peace. Number one is your mind. Number two is your spirit. Your thought process and your affections and your encounter, your spirit man. Most of the time, whatever is in your spirit will always influence your thought process. They're very different in the sense of what you know and what you read by knowledge. Your mind is filled with what you digest and what you see. But the spirit man is something way beyond there that the doctors can't even find. Some have believed that the spirit man is within your very being, like Jesus said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water, out of your innermost being. But within that spiritual makeup, which makes us different because we believe that God gives us a river in our life, that he is the river. We believe in the Holy Spirit. Or, or do we believe in the Holy Spirit? Okay, just making sure I'm in the right church. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe that God flows. We believe that there is something more beyond this world. But there's an encounter with God. And we believe that God puts his spirit in us. That right there bypasses your mind. But it's funny how the anointing works and the spirit of God begins to work with us. Because it takes the word of God. It takes us reading the word of God to filter everything negative out of our life. To filter the negative thoughts. To have something to see, God knew our frailty and gave us something we could read and see and hear. And when the two come together, you start to have the mind of Christ. What is Christ? Christ represents the anointing. Paul said we have the mind of Christ. We have the spirit of Christ in our being that brings stability. And the only way to bring this and to cleanse us from this is found right here in Psalms 119. Come on, Tracy. Where's Haley at? You can come on. If you ever wonder what it takes to get your mind cleansed and get you to a place where you've got to get some things out of your life that are, that are blocking the peace of God from your life, I'm going to make it very simple for you. I can't tell you what sin is, but you have to define it for yourself in your life. But when you do have it there, it will block the peace of God, the strength of God, the love of God. And that doesn't mean you go and go sin free. 
There's a difference between doing something intentional and making a mistake and doing things that are your lifestyle. We're just simply talking about deciding that I'm going to give my life to God. I'll make mistakes, but with your grace, I'm going to get through them. I'm going to fail, but God, I know you'll pick me back up. But the moment you feel like you have been and you don't have the peace of God is the moment that you've woken up in your mind and say, the reason I don't have is because I didn't try to make an effort to get back up. You want to stay down. I'm encouraging you, make a better decision and get back up and live for God. And I'm encouraging you to say, I'm not giving up. I'm going to keep moving forward. I'm going to love him with all my heart, all my mind, and all my strength. But where and how can a young person, it doesn't matter how old you are, but this is referring to a young man. How can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word. And what did the scripture say? Jesus said, they that keep my commandments will have their house built on the rock. By obeying your word, I have tried hard to find you. In other words, I have sought with you with all my heart, all my mind. Don't let me wander from your commandments. I have hidden them. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And that's the key. How can a person cleanse their way and give themselves back to God and be reconciled back to God? I believe in the life of every believer the first time you feel the peace of God. And most of the people that I've talked to, this is just a consensus that I've taken throughout the years. Is that that moment when they first give their life to Jesus? Or the moment somebody prays for them? Or the moment somebody reconciles to God? The peace of God comes upon them. But somebody has to pray. And sometimes, have you ever noticed how merciful God is, even in our, even in our failures? God just comes and loves us and draws us because he wants to get us back to a place of peace. But the fastest way to get there is to simply tell him, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I'm going to give you everything. And I, want to, and I don't want to live that life anymore. And I don't want to do that anymore. And I don't want to go down that road again. So, so what I'm going to do, God, I'm going to hide your word in my heart so I won't sin against you. Not, not against me more than you, God. Because I, I need you. So here's the weekly challenge. Here's the weekly challenge. For this week, if you need a challenge, you need something, a goal to focus on this week to get you through the week, here's what I'm going to give you. Meditate on one verse of Scripture every day. One verse. It doesn't matter if it's the same verse. Find something that resonates with you with your circumstance right now and read it out loud once every day and meditate on it throughout the day. Write it down someplace. Put it as your screensaver on your phone. Be creative. Write it at your desk at work. Put it on the fridge at home. It doesn't matter. Keep the Word of God in front of you and get it down in your spirit. And by the end of the week, let's see what happens to your thought process. Let's see what happens to your mind. Let's see what happens to your attitude. Let's see what happens to your disposition. Let, let, let's see what God can do with that if you'll couple it with prayer. And if you'll get to the house of God on a regular basis. Let's see what God will do just by changing your thinking. How many of you want that limitless peace of God in your life? How many of you need that stability 
that comes from building on a rock. Will you stand to your feet this Sunday morning? I went a little bit longer, but I want you to, if you will, lift up your hands and just surrender to him. If you're here this Sunday morning and you've not given your life to Jesus, will you take that first step towards him and let the peace of God fill your heart and mind? He wants to be your Lord and Savior. You do it through an act of repentance and saying, Lord, forgive me of my sins. And I surrender to you. In your own words, you can do that right now. And the rest of us, if you will, just lift your hands and let's worship right now.